everyone. Welcome to the Journeyman Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe. With me today, I'm excited. I got Eric Haskins and Frank Bouvet. We're going to be talking about firehouse strength and conditioning. We're going to be talking about mindset, uh, fitness, nutrition, mobility, stretching, a whole bunch of good topics. going to just introduce you right now. So uh, Eric, why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about yourself, your firefighting background, and, and how you got to uh, where you're at right now. Sure. So my name is Eric Haskins. I'm a senior firefighter for the Nanta Fire Department in uh, Idaho. Uh, I got on the job in 2016, originally with the department in Caldwell. It's a neighboring city here. And then I uh, transferred over to Nampa. This is the city I live in uh, now. Uh, before, the, before I got on the job, uh, I played uh, collegiate sports. I played college hockey at Boise State. Uh, where I got a degree in exercise science. And at that point, you know, I, I wanted to be a physical therapist. So that was kind of where I was headed. And the closer I got to that, the less I wanted to go into that field. Um, and then, you know, I, I grew up in Spokane, Washington. Uh, I spent the large portion of my childhood uh, playing ice hockey. I grew up uh, in driving in my dad's Chrysler LeBaron to, to every small city in British Columbia and Alberta playing hockey. And then uh, did a little snowboarding after that. And when I retired from snowboarding, I, I went back to school and played hockey at Boise State, which is what brought me to Idaho. And, and then here I am. So. so why the move from physical therapist to, to firefighter? Yeah, so the... So I was interning quite a bit uh, with different physical therapy practices. And through my career snowboarding, I'd, I'd worked with a lot of physical therapists. I'd sustained a lot of injuries. And uh, so I was really pretty passionate about, about that field. I thought I had experience on one side of it and wanted to, to take that and be a practitioner on the other side. And then interning with, you know, multiple practices, I just really – hated kind of where it was going. And, and so many of these places that I was working at took a real cookie cutter approach where people would come in with a shoulder injury. The doc would go to a file that said, uh, you know, rotator cuff, give me the intern, a checklist of exercises, and then pass me off onto the patient. And, uh, the, the more I did that, I just, ah, it just drove me away. That, that's not what I wanted to be involved with. I wanted, uh, you know, to actually treat and, and work with people one-on-one and, and to help them. And, and this cookie cutter approach, it felt like you were just turning tables at, at, you know, just trying to get them in and out the door. And so when I graduated, I was looking at going to physical therapy school. Um, and then I got a phone call from a friend that I used to snowboard with, with the opportunity to open up a gym um, in Northern Idaho. And at that time, I was also coaching at a gym here in uh, Nampa. I was coaching for Frank. And this opportunity uh, really sounded pretty good. And I was passionate about what I was doing with coaching and strength and conditioning. And so I, I jumped at it. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, came home, poured her a glass of wine. And I said, hey, uh, I want to talk to you about something. And long story short, about a week later, we were packing up the house and 
moved up to Coeur d'Alene and opened up a gym up there. So that, that kind of took me out of the, the physical therapy realm. And I really focused on being a strength and conditioning coach. And, uh, the, I, the gym that I had up in Coeur d'Alene, um, I was pretty unfulfilled and I had always been drawn to the fire service. I had worked with Frank and a lot of these guys that were on the job. And so I was looking at one of two routes. One was to go uh, special forces and the other was the fire service. And unbeknownst to my girlfriend at the time, I had gone and talked to a army recruiter and wanted to go SF and went and took some tests and, because of my age, he was like, uh, yeah, you got to ship out before your 30th birthday, which was coming up quick. So I went home, had a conversation with my girlfriend and she just said, that's great. I think you'd, you'd be, be awesome. I think that would be great for you, but, uh, I won't be here when you get back. And so then I asked her, well, if, if I pursued a job in the fire service, would you stick around for that? And she said, absolutely. So I liked her quite a bit and called Frank and I said, Hey man, uh, you got a, an open position at your gym still, uh, sell my gym and I'd like to get a job in the fire service. And he said, uh, you bet. And came down my wife or my girlfriend, my two dogs, myself moved into his house, uh, with his family. We, we stayed in the room between his two kids and, and then we spent the next year just focusing on on everything I needed to do to, to start applying for, for jobs here in the Valley. So. Very cool. That's kind of, that's kind of that trajectory of how, how it all happened. So. Very nice. Frank, give me your deal. All right. Uh, well, I'm not nearly as exciting. Uh, I'm not nearly as uh, educated nor uh, adept of an athlete, uh, which might've really pushed me to where I'm at now. Um, dad, military, we moved all over the place. So the whole idea of service was huge, um, but I wanted to do it closer to home. I grew up kind of high school, middle school years in Arizona and Tucson, but my grandparents lived up in Idaho. So we, we come up here and, and visit quite often. Uh, senior year, my dad said, hey, we're going to move to Idaho. And so you should probably figure out what you're going to do. Um, my uh, fast forward a little bit, didn't quite work out for them right away. Started uh, local community college and uh, into law enforcement realized I didn't want to do that because no one really likes cops and uh, I I wanted to be liked and so I, I went up here to, to Idaho and uh, took a test just kind of trying to get ready for Tucson fire was my my intention I ended up getting hired in 98 uh, when I was just turned 21 um, and I've been with Nampa since then so a little over 23 plus years um, in the fire service um, always had a, a background in, in working out strength conditioning, things like that. Um, personal training, um, pure fitness came along, dove into that, uh, for the, for the international and kind of worked that program through our department, um, progressed in the fire service engineer, became an officer, uh, like 15 plus years ago, been doing that as a, as a captain now actually on a ladder truck, um, on the East side of our city. Um, started a gym 10 a little over 10 plus years ago uh with the intention of just spending more time with my wife which is exactly the opposite of what happened um i was trying to to head off trying to head off what i saw in marriages all over the fire service which is uh, husbands and wives that don't have anything in common so we worked out a lot together and our passion became our business 
Um, and uh, we've built a pretty successful gym, uh, built our own building, like 7,000 plus square foot building and 300 plus members. And um, yeah, man, we just, we have a great community, uh, really phenomenal coaches like Eric, who's my head coach for a really long time. And we just kind of explored what it was to, uh, to be in the type of shape you needed to be in to do the job. Um, I have a habit of uh, finding people that I want to work with on the fire service and snagging them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we have, Eric, what do we have? Like six, I think five or six of our coaches have all become uh, professional firefighters, which is really, yeah. really, really tough on my coaching staff. So, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been a, it's been a good thing. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to it, but, um, at this point, uh, yeah, 23 years on the job and, um, absolutely love it. I'm a smaller guy. So the idea of staying in shape and, and being the type of fireman that I think I need to be in involves me, um, getting after it and, um, yeah, just, I don't know, being a student of the game constantly. So I love the job. I love the, I love the men I work with and, anything that I can do to make them better, i.e. this, this avenue is something that I've pursued. So yeah, man, in a nutshell, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and hopefully we can dive in a little bit more of it as we go on through the podcast. Yeah. Cool background story. So I've got some friends from Idaho and you know, most people, I don't know if they know, but I feel like Idaho, especially the area you guys are in, uh, is kind of a hotbed for uh, people that are into the fire service. You know, think of Idaho and it's, it's potatoes and stuff, but, Boise Fire Conference and, and the Eagle Truck School and, and what you guys are doing does seem to be a unique uh, stronghold in the fire service. The time I've spent in the fire service, I, I've, I mean, and I've listened to you, there's, there's a lot of learning that goes on, especially as a young man coming in. Even if you're right, if you're standing by yourself on the soapbox, you're, you're still by yourself. Um, so I guess community-wise, um, we open the gym to, to the, to the fire department on a regular basis. We hold a lot of classes throughout the gym. My guys come in a lot. Um, we're able to spend a lot of time with them. Um, some of the ways that we've found to really give back to the fire service and to push through is we, we actually run a CWI class through the gym that Eric and I have put forth. Um, so the, the students at our local community college actually go through all of their, their um, strength, and strength and conditioning through our programming and through the gym itself. Um, we also run the, the programming for uh, our department's um, recruit school as well. So it, the community is served through that quite a bit. Um, as somebody who owns a business, I don't ever want to be the guy that's like, hey, come to my gym because you should come to my gym because I'm the guy that owns it, you know, within the department. Um, we have long-term relations with these guys. So um, I see a lot of them in the gym, um, but all too often it's how can I be what they need me to be at whatever gym they're at or whatever they're doing. So, and, and you referred earlier to the, the local community here being a hotbed this, the treasure Valley is, is pretty, uh, for being more, we're definitely more than potatoes. So, um, Steven Tyler over at Eagle fire. A lot of these guys are really pushing, pushing good things, um, forward in the fire service for being such a small Valley. We've got a gym, uh, CrossFit Astero that we go to, um, that's nearby that, uh, one of my firemen, he's a, he's a coach there, but when the classes aren't being run, that's when, uh, he's used that as an opportunity to just invite guys yeah. and, uh, you know, misery loves company and we just get in totally. there and it really just feels, you know, some days we got two of us, some days it's like six or eight, but it's open invitation to firemen to just, Hey, come on in and let's just get after it together, take a group picture and, it does seem to, to help with the community quite a bit. 
it's massive. I think the biggest opportunity for me owning the gym is I get to say yes, if that makes sense, man. It's when people need something, um, I get to say yes. I mean, not only are we working out in there, but like all of our retirements are done in there. All the parties are done in there. So there's a lot of booze and, and beer and the like done up at my gym. We have a really good time, man. It's, it's cool to be able to say yes uh, to my brothers and, and bring them in and, and get after it. So lots of, lots of retirements, lots of parties, the union and stuff like that. It's a, it's a good time. So, and tons of throwdowns, man, where guys just get in and get after it. But uh, yeah, I, don't ever want to be the guy pushing something. You want them to kind of organically come into it and, and it stays better that way. So, but we got a lot of the boys that come in and work out for sure. Um, before we move on, uh, we use the gym as kind of a generic term. Can you kind of describe what you guys do there? What type of equipment you've got there? And just cause it could be everything from Globo gym to a, to a curves uh, to across it. So uh, just so people yeah. got a better idea of what we're talking about. No, for sure. Uh, the gym that, 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 really my wife owns and operates i'm kind of like her flavor flave she's like for public enemy she's she's the lead i'm, I'm the guy that dances around with the clock and high fives folks um but uh no it's it's a crossfit gym uh, not your normal crossfit gym uh we do a lot of uh we do a lot of um barbell we do a lot of a lot of uh, strength strength work that isn't like your normal crossfit gym so super strong we got ladies pulling you know 300 plus pound deadlifts on the regular um, it's, it's a great place. Um, like I said, 7,000 square feet. We've got all the implements, strongman stuff, yokes, um, stones, um, dumbbells, everything. We, we get after it and try to, uh, sleds. I mean, it's, it is not your quintessential CrossFit gym. Um, there is, uh, there's everything and more. So, um, yeah, it's a great place, man. We've put athletes into the games out of the gym. Um, but our main focus is just your common folks, man. Those are our bread and butter. So they're good humans. <clears throat> Cool. I'm going to throw one over to Eric now. Um, how I got involved with you guys is your firehouse strength and conditioning programming. Um, so Eric, why don't you talk about that just a little bit and how you guys, uh, just the mindset behind trying to get it out there and taking what you guys were doing locally and, and making it something for everyone. Sure. The, the firehouse strength and conditioning program is kind of a, an evolution of, of everything we've done up to this point uh, for a long time. You know, uh, I, I always knew when, when Boise Fire was, was hiring because I could expect uh, phone calls, um, say, hey man, uh, you know, I've got a mile and a half run coming up. Can you write me a mile and a half run program? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, when, when's, your, when's your test? And they'd be like, oh, it's next week, man. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, written a lot of programs, um, and Boise fire, uh, years ago, uh, brought us in to do an overhaul of their recruit Academy. Uh, they had some specific goals that they wanted to achieve. Um, and so that was really where brotherhood and training, uh, got its start. And after that, you know, we, we've really done a lot with fire departments all over the valley and, and from coast to coast and, and doing seminars and, and going in and train the trainer and, and, and working with all these different departments. The, the common question, you know, we go in there and we, we do our thing was always, what about programming? And it was always, you know, every single one was, what about programming? And, uh, and that really seemed to be the, the biggest barrier to entry. We'd go in, coach them, and, and teach them how to move, and then teach them how to teach their members. 
but at the end of the day, it, they they didn't want to do the programming themselves. Um, it, it does take a lot of work, and so kind of over time, we just saw this this giant need to provide a a firefighter specific program uh, that's available to the fire service, and then looking at it and seeing what else is out there. Um, you know, barriers to entry is you know financial. Um, and so I, I didn't want a program that would price people out. I wanted it accessible to everybody. And then also as we moved around to all these different fire stations, looking at their gyms and seeing what's available to them, you know, it's minimal equipment. And so firehouse strength and conditioning was kind of born um, or forged in this, this idea of we needed accessible with minimal equipment that most firehouses have access to. And, and so started writing this program and, and instead of doing, you know, personalized program for every single department, it was like, Hey, you know, now with all the different online options, it's, it's pretty easy to, to create a, a program based on the demands of the job, the same way I would uh, for, you know, a sports specific athlete. Uh, now we, now we look at the demands of the job and create a program there. And then through our online platform, we use Train Heroic, are able to get that out uh, at a really affordable price that's accessible to everyone um, and utilizes minimal equipment. And so that that's kind of how we came up with firehouse strength and conditioning. And it's it's really just kind of caught on and, and 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 here we are, away we go. So so I, I can hear people saying right now, uh, Frank just said his gym was a CrossFit gym with strongman yeah. stuff. And Eric's totally. talking about programming, and I'm not into – I'm a fireman. I don't want to do CrossFit. I don't, I'm scared of that stuff. You're going to get yourself yeah. hurt. Guys, guys totally. talk, about, talk about that mindset and, and, and overall fitness as it relates to firefighting. Yeah, so um, – it's it's funny frank and i try to avoid using the the c word right crossfit is uh even though we've spent a a, a long time in in that realm in the fire service that can be looked at as a bad word especially with the, the high injury rates or you know the rumor of high injury rates there and then uh you know it, is it good for firefighting and, and really crossfit if you look at the origins of it it was really you know, began with tactical populations, uh, police, fire, military were really drawn to it as they saw their performance in whatever uh, environment they were in. Um, and then, you know, the games and everything has happened. But, uh, you know, I, I'd say the, the biggest difference, I think there's a lot to offer in the CrossFit methodology for, you know, a tactical population, uh, especially in firefighting. But what we do, I would say, is not CrossFit because I am programming or we're programming specifically for the job. And there are movements that I avoid and types of training that are high risk or what I would deem, you know, not needed. And the second you start taking things off the table and the second you start kind of uh, really getting specific is, is I think when you start going away from from the crossfit model um and and start now going towards a, a more sports specific program so i think our program you know might uh have hints and, and smell a little bit like crossfit especially when it comes to our metabolic conditioning um 
you know, there, there are similar things there. But when we decide on the movements and the conditioning that, that we do and how we build strength, you know, we're really looking at what are the demands of the job, uh, you know, whether it's strength, explosive power, um, and then, you know, aerobic capacity. And then, you know, I really take a look at uh, injury prevention. That, that's the other thing is when I, when I go in these rooms and talk to chiefs, you know, their big thing is injury prevention. We do not want our guys getting hurt uh, in the gym. And uh, we don't want our guys getting hurt on the job. And all too often, that means that guys don't go into the gym because it's too risky or their administration's taking equipment out of their stations so that they don't get hurt. Um, and so programming for the fire service, looking at the specific movements that are causing injury, looking at and reading journals and studies. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there that helps direct, uh, especially our accessory work and, and how we, how we program that. So, you know, we focus on fundamental movement, pre uh, patterns, squat, press, hinge, um, push and, and pull and then loaded carries and then uh, we do a lot of single leg work and uh, accessories that go after you know the the leading causes of injury and and the areas whether it's the shoulder low back and knee it seems like every seminar we'd go to they you know raise your hand if you've had a shoulder injury a back injury or a knee injury and it's everyone in the room um, and so that's where our programming i think differs from from CrossFit is now we're getting into, into specific programming for those exact things and then taking stuff off the table that, um, you know, are too high risk to, you know, that would run uh, the possibility of injuries. Hey, Frank, can you kind of explain to the guys what, uh, what a normal training session would look like on there? Yeah, I can. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to dive back in just a little bit to where you're at just a moment ago. Um, so I don't, there's a lot of guys getting a lot of great results with CrossFit. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater by any stretch. You yourself do CrossFit. Um, and there's just, I mean, there's definitely different iterations of that all over the place. And there's guys doing great stuff with that. Really, really good work. Um, I think the difference, like he said, is, uh, he used the term sport specific. Some guys might be turned off by that. We're not, there's the whole like, occupational athlete weird argument which i think is just odd that you have time to dive into that for some folks but really knowing what the job demands are and then working back from there is what makes this different um i'm in in the crossfit gym i'm, I'm looking to get people generally prepared for life to be able to do whatever the hell they want with what we're doing we're getting you prepared to do the job and end game um we do talk injury prevention i mean that's that's all too often what's being asked for by chiefs as a blue collar, like just grimy, dirty fireman. I want to be able to pull the 400 pound lady that I pulled out last night at 2 AM out of her mobile home. That was, you know, completely faking what she was doing, but us yanking her out of a really small area and making sure my whole crew can make that happen with no injuries and doing it, you know, timely and quickly and doing the right thing. That's what I'm looking to do. And then obviously we'll do that on the fire ground. And that's, that's what makes this different than CrossFit is that's what we're aiming to do is be able to have guys prepared for that. When it comes to the sessions um, on brotherhood and training and, and train heroic, um, they're geared for our, our shift schedule and they're geared for a small amount of time as well. And my small amount of time, I mean, we don't have a, 
we don't have to, we can't spend six hours in the gym, right? Most of us can't. We've got all these other things going on. I'll give the specifics for Eric because he, uh, if you've ever seen like, uh, gosh, there's that show where there's the two mice that are trying to take over the world. You have like Pinky and the Brain, right? Like the kind of the, the really smart mouse. And then you got the one that does every, like all the, the grimy stuff. That's me. Eric's actually the brains behind all of it. So I'll let him dive into that. But I, yeah, so he'll dive into exactly where that's at. But really what we're trying to do is make sure guys can do work. That's, that's it. I mean, that's, that's the end game is that not only can we do work, but we can do it, um, like I said, almost 24 years on the job. I'm as strong as I've ever been and I can do work. I'm, I'm there to outlast the guy next to me and, and definitely outperform the crew that I'm there with. That's, that's my goal. That's my aim is to be able to deliver the best service. And that's what we're geared to do is just to kick ass, man. Like that's what we're trying to do with this, with this programming. So sorry, go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Uh, so uh, like a, a session or, or the way we would, we would model that is, is we'll start with a, a strength session. We'll go into accessories that are specific to or, you know, to address lagging muscle groups and, and weaknesses. And then we, we would finish with uh, metabolic conditioning of some sort. And all of that is, is layered in a way to, to maximize our time. So, you know, a big thing is uh, department gives you, you know, hopefully an hour a day to, to work out on shift. And so that program is really geared towards accomplishing our goals uh within that that 60 minute time frame and uh so that that would be the, the typical session um kind of how, how, how that's layered out and for me it's like got back from a call at 5 a.m this morning and was able to get in uh, my session in about 45 minutes and depending on on what the conditioning looks like it might be short and fast or it might be a little bit longer uh, most people are anywhere from a, a 60 to 90 minute session, um, kind of based on, um, the tempo that they like to work at, but that's, that's how we would layer or, uh, design our, our typical daily workout. So in, in my department, it's been following this for a few months now. Um, and, and I like, it's the, uh, it seems like it's about four days a week, uh, there's programming yeah. and I'll tell you, I love the simplicity of it, especially when it comes time to the, for the metabolic stuff. Cause you look at it and you go, Oh, this is pretty easy. Maybe I'll do something afterwards. And, uh, you guys screw with me. I'm telling you, <laughs> it looks like this is going to be something simple and, uh, it's really dialed in. What I think I like the most about it is you put it, you, you copy it off of the phone onto a whiteboard and you just do work every time you'll be surprised at the end. And sometimes it's uh, just a, just a burner, a six minute burner. And other times it's, it's 20 minutes, but trust what's written on there. Yeah. So I've, I follow, um, I follow the firehouse strength and conditioning program along with mayhem and some other programming. And I think the big thing that helped me, I was going to the gym and I had to use a lot of brain power on coming up with what to do. Uh, and I tended to do the things I liked a lot and I felt like I wasted a lot of brain power rather than just go in and do work. Uh, plus I'm kind of an idiot. Like I don't, you know, I've got now I've, I've gotten some more education into the, the exercise stuff, but so I really love looking at other people to come up with my programming, put it on the whiteboard and just do work. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when we're talking barriers to entry, I, I think that that's a big one, right? Is uh, so often, you know, myself and 
included, it's, it's like trying to decide what to do and, and you run into decision fatigue. So there are so many of the guys that I work with, you know, before we came out with this program was like, yeah, I, I just don't know what to do. I go in the gym and I, I don't know where to get started. And often that leads to them not getting started at all. And, and so the ability to have, you know, a coach, right. So, um, or someone that programs for you is now the, the hardest thing for you as the athlete is, is really just to walk through the door. And that's why I think some of the, you know, whether it's a CrossFit gym or, or some other, you know, type of gym that does programming, if, if the toughest thing for you is just to get there, that, that makes things a lot, a lot easier. So, um, having, having someone write it up on the board and, and if it's a program that is kind of vetted and, and has a purpose behind it, I think it really frees up, you know, it's the benefit of being an athlete to just go in there and you can go in there tired. And as long as you know, kind of, man, I've got a warm up that works well for me, then you can look up on that board, like you're saying, and, and then get rolling. And there's a huge benefit to that versus, myself like programming for myself it, it's it's uh it's almost like a i've always called it a coach's curse and uh as a coach and as someone that writes a lot of programming one of the biggest challenges that i face is you know i test all these workouts and i'm doing it i'm always looking for what is the best use of my time so even in the middle of you know uh, a workout i'm going is this what i should be doing right now and, and it takes away from 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 the session versus you know to just be the athlete or you know if you have a coach all you got to focus on is is your best performance and and that's that's a huge benefit uh to have you know all that other stuff taken care of for you well and just just to add to that i mean in the fire service if we like looking at this like anything else um we look to an outside all too often an outside source outside of yourself um, when you go to learn something or do something you're not as familiar with, right? Um, we've got guys that specialize in in ropes in our in our department in tech, you know, in the tech rescue field. We have guys that specialize in in hose. We have guys that are ladder junkies, right? All these different things. Um, if I'm not totally adept at something, I'm going to look to find somebody who knows what they're doing, and and I'm going to take everything I can from them and learn from them. I've actually listened to you, Grant, talk about that in other podcasts. Um, we have so much going on in our lives and, and so many demands uh, from the fire, fire service and, and in our families, again, to allow somebody else to take care of this, somebody knows what they're doing, and then to get the results from it is massive. It'll allow you to be better at the other things you need to do in your life, right? Um, you talked about focusing, I think, hopefully I'm, I'm doing this right or I'm hitting right, but focusing on different parts in your career. At one point, you're way into search. At one point, you're into this, you're into that, right? Like, um, diving into those things and becoming really good at them that takes time if we can take care of the the strength and fitness side of things so you have the strength and energy um, and body to be able to do all those things it just frees you up to be better at your job frees you up to do the things that you need to do um, this is what we dive into this is what we're into if you can take all that we've learned and all the mistakes we've made and 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 be able to just take like the distilled stuff at the end with where we're at hell yeah. Like you, you know, let us give you that so you can kick ass and all the other shit that's going on in your life. That's funny you say that. Cause I feel like 
we do a good job seeking out the experts in the rest of our mm -hmm. areas within the fire service uh, or even at home or, or, or whatever. But for some reason, everybody thinks, well, I used to play high school football. I used to lift a little when I was yeah. in high school. Yep. So I know how yep. to do this. Um, yeah. and, and to a degree, but we got to be mm -hmm. humble. I've never felt, um, I've, I've been instructing for a while, but to go back and learn CrossFit, when I got one of my firemen, he's a probie at the time, having me lift with a PVC pipe was incredibly humbling. Um, but it, it really makes you think, I think it takes you back to how hard it really is to learn a new skill. And just because yeah. we did a little bit of bench pressing when we were in high school, doesn't mean we know how it all goes together or how we should be mm -hmm. training as adults. Um, so I definitely appreciate uh, what you guys are putting out there um, from that standpoint. Let's transition in a little bit to um, the importance of mobility versus stretching. I'm getting old and man, I'm getting tight and I'm really trying to do a half hour of stretching before bed, half hour of stretching in the morning. And when I'm doing that, I feel great. When I don't, I feel like I've been hit by a truck or like I'm 80 years old. So can you guys dive into that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, stretching versus mobility. Uh, two two different things, and uh, you know it's funny. I, I got into mo mobility years ago, and, and I actually turned down an internship with uh, Dr. Kelly Starrett. And it's just funny. It's like, where would my life be if I if I would have gone to work for him? The that supple cool. leopard. You turned that down, yeah. huh? Yeah, man, that, that's that's a funny story. Um, and and maybe if there's time we can dive into it but at one point man i yeah i had the opportunity to go do that and and uh yeah it would be interesting to see where my life would be now but i'm pretty happy where where i am now so um stretching versus mobility uh, i think they they both ha have their place but are are two different things so when we think about stretching you know that's the the passive you know, you're sitting down, you're kind of just hanging on your tissues and getting that nice stretch. Maybe you're tight. And I really like the, the way that, that you use stretching, right, in, in the morning and in the evening. Uh, it's a good way to uh, wind down. And, and I know it helps a lot of people, uh, you know, sleep better. And then in the morning, maybe you're tight, you know, whatever you did the day before, you're going to wake up with that and you go, oh, man, I think it's great. But what, what we've seen and what's changed, especially in, in my career, even like back in the day, uh, you know, it was commonplace before, you know, whatever sports you played, right? You, you get in the middle of the field or in the middle of the ice rink and everyone lays down and just starts like stretching, right? That was what you did before a game. Well, coming to find out that led to a higher risk of injury. Um, you, you need some sort of muscle tension to uh, create stability in the joints and to create force. And so all this pregame stretching we did was actually setting us up for, for, for worse. And so mobility um, is really kind of more about a, a functional range of motion versus the passive range of motion that you would get from stretching. So uh, that's cool. You can sit on the floor and reach and touch your toes. But when it comes to mobility, we're looking at the, the functional ability to now create or generate force out of that, that new range of motion. So you can bend over and touch your toes, 
but do you have the ability to organize your system and create stability of the spine, say on like a deadlift, right? Picking a patient up off of the floor and, and to move out of that position. And that's where, you know, mobility is going to pay big dividends for us, especially in, in injury prevention and then even performance. And, uh, you know, we just did a post of, about this on mobility and the, the supple leopard, I think said, you know, the, the reason we do mobility was that so we can restore position or improve position so we can go work. And that's really in the fire service, when you're looking at injuries overhead, low back and knees is, is do you have the range of motion to get into these positions? And then can you create stability or generate force so that that range of motion serves you? And so if you are stretching a lot, the other important thing is that when you do increase that range of motion, you have to ingrain that, that new range of motion or, or that movement pattern. So things like weightlifting are great exercises for mobility. Uh, if, if you generate or, or you get more range of motion in that hip, the best thing to do is, is to now start, you know, generating force or using that range of motion or else you're going to lose it right away. And so I, I think just having that distinction, stretching is great. It has its place, but uh, working on mobility, which I, I think I would go to the source for, for the best would be, you know, what Kelly star red is doing. Uh, if you can't get your arm over your head uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do there and that looks different than just hanging on on your shoulders. It's a active range of motion. You're, you're working at creating stability and, and for the fire service that that's hugely important when it comes to all the, all the joint injuries that we're seeing. Let's transition into a little bit what we need to be doing in the fire service to get better. I know some people, you know, will claim they get back injuries, so I'm not going to work out or, you know, they'll, they'll really try to stay away from doing some of those physical things or they say i'm going to save my energy for the fire i can't do that workout so let's talk about that a little bit and and then maybe transition into a little bit of what uh working out looks like on duty not just with your strength and conditioning but within you know acclimating yourself to working in gear and having an air pack on and things like that um i, I yeah take it you wanna, yeah man so i so as a company officer, because um, starting with like working out or being able to work out on duty, there's a cultural aspect here too that I kind of have run into. Um, I was lucky enough to, to ride along with Detroit Fire for a, a 48, right, 224s, and chatting with them and their idea of what it looks like to work out on duty versus my department. There's there's a, some drastic differences in the way things are looked at. Um, so I can't speak exactly to where they're at, but I have experienced those conversations not only within my department, but elsewhere. Um, I think there's a, a maturity or a thought process or like a when you would tackle something within uh, the gym at the fire station is always remembering that we do in fact have to go on that next alarm when it comes in, right? So even though um, we are getting after it. You should always be able to continue to do something else with that in mind. Every guy on your, on your crew, you need to address it a little bit differently, right? I'm 20 plus years on the job. You talk to, I wake up and I hurt, right? You talked about waking up. You're like, holy shit, I slept too long. Now my back hurts, right? I have a variety of things that, that, um, make my workout look a little bit different than the 22 year old guy that's working out with me as well. So 
when we're in the gym at the firehouse, we set it up with the, we set up the idea and the intention that everyone's going to work out and we're all going to work out to where we can do things afterwards. So that's going to look a little different, right? Weights look a little different for each guy. Maybe range of motion looks a little bit different. Um, we set it up so everyone can be not only successful, which this all sounds like super huggy, lovey stuff, but in reality, that's where we have to be. Um, I'm super competitive, but if I'm in there just to crush my guys, I'm missing out on what we're trying to do, right? This is a long-term thing. So when I hit the gym with my guys, it's, a, it's, it's about building long-term strength. It's about building long-term. We talked about mobility, so being able to work in different positions and then being able to, to respond, man. This should be something that makes us better at our job not a detraction. And if it's detracting from what we're doing, we're missing. So go ahead, Eric, go ahead and take it from there, man. Yeah. I, I, the, you know, say you, you've got a back injury, you know, that was the example you use mm -hmm. and, and those things. Well, well, we know that our job requires us to, to bend at the waist and to put our spine in these, in these positions that are at risk. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to work out. I'm worried about a back injury. And then my argument would just be, well, how do you expect your, your back to get any better? Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, a funny story about the, the deadlift, right? That uh, the original name was, was actually called the health lift uh, because of the benefits that, that came from it. And then somewhere along the line, they, they started calling it a deadlift. And so when you're working with someone that has that, that back injury is, is look at, you know, well, we need to be able to get in these positions. And we need to be conservative. And when it comes to working out, it's really about learning how to create these shapes, get in these positions, stabilize, and then learn our thresholds of, of what we can do in these positions and, and what we can't. And, and that's really what the, the strength and conditioning program should be designed around is, is, is getting in these positions and, uh, and then strengthening them so that that back injury doesn't happen. Um, and then working out on duty, you know, I've, I've read some, some good studies that that's another common, common kind of barrier to entry for, for folks or, or a belief. And, and the studies actually show the opposite that, uh, mm. you know, and one that I read, I think it was like 81% of, uh, firefighters who were, uh, already on an on duty training program, completely completed a, a fire ground, like suppression test faster than those that were not currently on a training program. And then even following an exercise circuit, the, the trained firefighters were faster than 70% of the untrained firefighters. So those that were training on duty in a fatigued state from a workout were still faster and performed better on this fire ground test than those that were not, not training. So that, that really supports the, the need for, we need to train on duty, but um, how, you know, how do you gauge that? And, and Frank said, said this pretty well. I mean, I, I've stolen this from, but you know, you save some for the citizens, right? So when we teach these seminars and we're doing, you know, if it's metabolic conditioning, what does that look like on duty versus off duty? And on duty, you know, something we like to do in our seminars, which is going to ruin the surprise for the people that attend the next one. But uh, in the middle of a, of a Metcon, we just say, stop and ask them, could you bunker up right now and respond? And if someone says no, then that is an indicator of like, all right, you need to gauge back because whatever you're doing, whatever that conditioning piece, or 
you should always be able, if the tones drop, be able to respond to that call. Now, is that ideal? No, but that's, that's kind of what we've chosen. So that's how we should really approach our, our workouts on duty. And then off duty, I say, go for it. You know, if, if you like just hitting it with max intensity and then, uh, you know, do the sizzling bacon thing afterwards, like that, that's totally fine. Um, off duty, but to do that on duty, I, I think you're, you're missing there. And so having that ability, ask yourself, uh, throughout your workout, could I respond right now? And if you're, if, if you're unsure, then that is just a, a good gauge to, to back off a little bit. And then, uh, you know, when you're off duty, man, just, just hammer down and enjoy that. So you guys both do this uh, fitness thing on the side. You're working with crews uh, in the firehouse. Um, how important it is, I guess, when you guys are working out as a group, uh, that can probably be a little intimidating for somebody that comes over and you're like, man, I got these two guys that are like kind of elite in the, in the fitness side and they're, you know, with me on the rig. So I don't want to work out with, with Frank because, because the dude's going to crush me and I'm a, I'm a beginner. How do you guys coach while doing that group thing? Uh, it's, it's a continuous conversation. It, it truly, um, and, and it's a cultural piece. So it, it I, man, and I've misstepped guys from my department probably may tell you a different story than what I'm telling you here. Right. Uh, you have a, a suitcase and, and a different zip code. Suddenly you're an expert outside of your own department. They may tell you something different. I hope not. Um, but a lot of it is just recognizing where people are at and, uh, and just having an open conversation with it, man. And just, God, I, this is, I, it's a great question and it's, it's totally uh, dependent on the person I'm with. I just try to meet them where they're at. I got guys that are elite triathletes that I work out with their weights and what they do and what their aim is going to look a little different than mine. So I'll kind of meet them where they're at, right? This is a long-term relationship with guys online. If I, like you said, if I, if I crush somebody on duty, I'm missing and, and I never get to have, I don't get their buy-in. So for me, it's just trying to reach out and figure out where they're at. And um, it's a constant thing. And I've missed, man. Early on in my career, we've all been that young fireman that knew everything. Um, and you got a couple certifications behind you. And so you, you can tell everybody everything. Um, but I missed. I missed big. So for me, it's been a really trying to reach out and mend fences and make sure guys knew that my, our intention is to make us better on the fire ground. So they know that coming in. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we make it a team building thing and a uh, – like let's just kick ass together versus uh, look how look how strong I am. I got terrible hair, man. I, I I can grow a mustache, but otherwise, like not not that great of an athlete, right? I lift heavy stuff, but um, you know, the abs are gone. So just try to meet people where they're at. I don't know where are you at, Eric. Yeah, I, that's that's been a, a a good learning thing for me, and and so much of it is just you know humility. Uh, I I can think of you know a situation my my old department I got assigned to a new company and the captain there was a couple of months away from retiring. And, and the, the common thing was, uh, you know, we'd, we'd come on shift and I'd spend, you know, time going through the rig. And the second he had his stuff on the rig, he would hit the recliner and, and, and that would be his day. And, and I was kind of just told like, yep, no, that that's just what he does. Leave him alone. And he's retiring soon. He, he doesn't join, join the crews for workouts. And so, 
that experience taught me a lot because what I, what I ended up doing was, you know, I would, I would come to the station with workouts that uh, were simple. I would put my own stuff away. Like it's not about me. And uh, the, the guys that I'd be out in the bay with, we'd, we'd have a workout that would be inviting. And over time he would start peeking his head out and go, what are you guys doing? And he would watch us. And then as weeks went on, he goes, Oh man, I could do that. And then inviting him in and, and what it really came down to was uh, when I'm working out with other crews, I just ask him like, what, what are you willing to do today? And then that's what we're going to do. I'm going to set aside whatever my, you know, what my workout looks like to, to what they're willing to do. And I think that creates an environment that, uh, you know, they'll learn, they'll go, oh, like, this isn't an ego thing. They, they don't care about looking bad. It's like, no, let's, let's do what, what you're open to doing. And then that's when you really start getting buy-in. And, uh, you know, in the case of this captain, you know, he'd come out, watch us, and then we just ask him, hey, you want to join us for the warm-up, which was like jumping jacks, push-ups, and air squats. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. And while we're doing that, like, I'm coaching him. And if I see something, and that's something to kind of tread lightly on, you know, um, you don't want to tell a guy that he, that he moves like garbage, but be like, you know, Hey cap, like, uh, try to push that knee out a little bit, or maybe keep your chest upright and, you know, and, and tread lightly there. And, uh, and then over time, you know, to make this long, long story, hopefully shorter, um, <laughs> he, he got so into it that, uh, he would come out and I'd be going through my rig checks. And he would come up and start tapping his watch and go, when are we working out? And I'm like, Roger that. I'll try to finish this up. And he became the driving force behind our workouts. And then for the rest, you know, as he finished out his career, about the next six months, he was out there at 830 every morning telling me to hurry up because he wanted to get his workout in. And, and so that's kind of where I learned or figured out, you know, an approach that, that works figuring out what they're willing to do is a good place to start. Um, and then, you know, what, what motivates him and, you know, some guys are motivated by the job, unfortunately not, not all. Um, some, some are motivated, uh, by what they do off duty. So, you know, whatever their recreation is, and some just want to look better naked and whatever their reason is, uh, is, is right for, for them. And so, figuring out what motivates them. And for this captain and this story, you know, he was big into hunting. And so after, you know, a couple of months of, of working out with us on duty, he came back one day, just beaming. He was like, man, you should have heard the guys I went hunting with, you know, when I lifted up the generator and put it on top of the, the truck and they were like, man, we, we've never seen you do that. And he didn't even think about it. And then he was like, yeah, you're right. Most of the time I have to ask, someone else to, to do that. And then he would come back with stories of going, man, like I was hunting with my nephews and I packed out everything and my nephews were having a hard time keeping up with me. And so when he started seeing the successes off duty and the things that he's motivated by, man, the buy-in was just through the roof. He was like, he's like, this, this is, you know, not something that I, I don't ever miss when I come on duty because I'm seeing the results in the, in the parts of my life that, that I want. And then uh, even, you know, the rest of the department would come and be like, man, what, what's up with him? Like uh, he's working out a ton. What did you do? And, and kind of told him the same story I told here. 
And then when he retired, you know, he joined a gym and, and kept going. And so that experience kind of opened my eyes to, I think, a, a best practice in working with your crew. Like Frank said, meet them where they're at. Figure out what motivates them. Might not be the same thing that motivates you, and that's okay. And then, uh, you know, put, you know, be humble. Put, put your own stuff aside to, to help them and, and create that environment where they trust you and, and then can see results, and, and, and then it'll just take off from there. That's awesome. I had uh, Matt Chan on, I don't know, it was probably a year and a half ago or something, but he said the exact same thing. Uh, it could probably be a pretty intimidating guy to be working out with, but if you put your goals aside um, yeah. and just get yeah. everybody moving, scale movements if need be, and uh, mm -hmm. it's more of a team building than anything else. Uh, absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, you, guys, uh, you guys do workouts in gear at all? Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, talk to us about the whys on that. Some people might say it's dangerous or it's not needed, but let's jump that way. Okay. Uh, yes. So the, the workouts in, in gear, you know, when, when we kind of look at this, so the, the strength and conditioning that we would do in, in the gym is, is what I would call general physical preparedness. You know, that's, that's in a controlled environment where we can work on, you know, our squat press, push, pull, hinge, those loaded carries and really work on position. And then kind of where we bridge the gap from the gym to the fire ground is now training and gear. So, uh, you know, you're getting full PP on, on air. And then what I've found is, is the, the simpler you make it, right? Like a lot of people want to complicate things because they think by complicating it, is better. And, and I, I would disagree. I think the simpler you make it, um, the, the, the easier it is for, for people to kind of get buy-in. And then, you know, the, the goal of the workout is to get comfortable in, in these shapes. Cause we know that your gear and the SCBA and those things are going to restrict range of motion. They're going to, you know, just by wearing the SCBA, it's going to increase the metabolic demand by like 30 to 40%. So now all of a sudden things are just harder because of your protective equipment and so to, to keep those workouts simple i know like my crew will we'll typically do uh one day we'll do like a classic kind of metcon in in a gym setting and then that second day is something in gear and and we like to use sleds and then the equipment that we have available to us uh but that's that's a vital piece of for our crew bridging that gap between the the general physical skills that you are building in the gym and then, you know, taking it to the fire ground and, and, and training in gear, uh, is, is, is where, where we see success. So. Well, it's multifaceted too. So as we're, as we're moving around in that gear, you end up finding out that the way you've got your, you know, your stuff squared away on you doesn't quite work, right? You're picking stuff up. And that cool new way that you have your, your flashlight set up, it gets in the way as you pick something up. Well, if you're not seeing a lot of jobs, you're not going to know that. And so um, by moving, making shapes, you're actually exploring just being in your gear. Everything is harder. Like, let's get sweaty. Like, firemen inherently like to work. I know my guys do. If they're sweaty and they're in their gear, um, it just feels like you're doing you're doing work. You're a happier guy. It's, it's easier thing. All too often we'll transition from the workout and we'll move into, um, 
whether it's, it's throwing ladders or, or pulling hose or what have you, um, you know, pulling, throwing a ladder, pulling a hose line every round is, is, is our aim in some way, shape or form. And this is a great way to transition into it. It may look like us doing that on the back apron after we've been pushing sleds or what have you. Um, and it just builds that, it just builds, it builds the team. It builds the crew. Um, and dude sweating and just being shitty in their gear is great, man. You know, gear that smells like nasty is like, that's guys doing work and that's a good thing. So I don't know. It's just another way for us to, it's another way for the crew themselves just to build that and to, and to, and to do work. And it, it's good, man. And you look at next to the guy next to you and he just is sweating and funky. Um, you know, that's the guy that's going to be able to, you know, to get after it on the fire ground with you as well. Again, with knowing that we can respond at any time, but it's just, it's just better, man. It's more fun. Guys are happy when they're moving and shaking. Kind of like border collies. If you ever had a border collie, they get into shit and they dig. If you're not keeping them busy and doing something, not just for the sake thereof, but like, keep them out, keep them moving. And it's the same way. It's a good time to be in your gear and get after it, man. You feel better. You feel more confident in your job and, and being able to do work so you can get out in the public and, and get after it. So. Well, that, and, and there's, a, there's a learning aspect too. And something I've noticed over the years is, is when you're doing that workout in, in the gear with your crew is, is keep an eye on, on your crew. Like I know what my captain looks like when, when he starts to get fatigued, right? Like his back starts to round, his shoulders, the, the look in his eye, and you start seeing how they break down. And now, like when we transition to the fire ground and we're on a job, like I know what, what my crew looks like when they're tired and fatigued and at their end. And I learn that by working out with them in their gear. And you start to, you know, almost learn everyone's like tells, right? And, and I, I have my own, you know, I've been on a, on a job where my captain came up to me and he goes, you know, what's wrong with you? And, you know, this, the shoulders hanging low or you're, you look uh, different. Right. And, and he learned that, uh, you know, my tell basically by, by the workouts that we did in gear. So there's a huge value in just learning what, what your members look like when they're moving. And the only way you're going to get that is by getting out there in your gear, working out with them, and then really keeping an eye on each other and keeping each other safe. Some of my favorite workouts we've done at the fire station is doing yeah. a gear workout, but doing a chipper style workout and letting, mm -hmm. uh, letting the team come up with how they want to break it up. Um, yep. yeah. And maybe we can jump in a little bit about that sharing the workload. Um, we did a workout the other day. Uh, this wasn't in gear, um, but we were, we were, me and my partner were talking about breaking up the 60 front squats and I wanted to do fives and he jumped into tens, but that first, so I, of course I got to keep up, but that 10 just killed me. So I wasn't able to, to cycle through as good. Um, and I think those gear workouts, sometimes when we're div dividing up that workload, um, and, and like Eric said, looking for clues on your partners on when they're getting tired to say, Hey, tap out. No, I got more left, bro. You go more and, and, and you're not going to be able to recover. Uh, let me take five swings. You take five swings. Um, I, there's a huge value in that. I think, especially as an officer to, to reading your guys, do you have some favorite workouts that you guys will do in gear chipper style or anything like that, that, uh, or, or, or what does that look like for you guys? For, for my crew, we're not as close to the training grounds. Eric's got some great stuff they do down at the training grounds. They have access to a tower and the like. Uh, a lot of ours is set up in the bay. So 50 foot is our bay is about 50, 60 feet. So everything's set up for bear crawls, things like that, back and forth with that rep range or with that distance. 
Um, we've got a, they're all very basic, very basic stuff, uh, pulls, drags, things like that. So nothing crazy. Eric's got some great stuff that they've named and, and given a lot to it. Um, but I would just go back to like that communication aspect of being able to like share load with your guys is absolutely phenomenal. And it, it builds so much, especially if you have like new, new, um, new guys to your crew, whether they're guys that have been on the department for a while or brand new folks, bringing them in and, and being able to experience how they work, what they're, um, what they're willing to do and, and, and to see, like, I don't know, just if they're able to grind is, is a, it's awesome, man. It gives you a lot of confidence before before the 3 a.m. fire where, where stuff has to happen. So, yeah, I'd love to hear, actually, Eric, some of the stuff you guys have been doing out the grounds. Yeah. Um, w- Workout-wise, especially if, if I'm with a new crew, I, I think that fight gone bad style is, is a really good approach that kind of opens up or creates an environment like we've been talking about. So, Grant, you talked about, you know, having guys, you know, maybe pick or, or design your own workout and, and, and stuff. and so you know, a workout with a fight gone bad style, you've got a crew of three or four and it's like, all right, everyone pick a movement that they like, right? No one's going to pick a movement that they don't like. No one's going to pick burpees. So I pretty much do it just so that they hate me. And then, um, you know, everyone's got a movement in there that they like, and then you, you rotate. And, uh, that's a really easy, um, accessible workout style. That, that I use with on duty uh, at, at the station. And then we just pick whatever gear is available to us. Um, and then, you know, came up with this workout at our training grounds called uh, Lone Survivor. And uh, so whatever your crew is, everyone grabs a, a piece of equipment. Uh, we always use a sled, uh, farmer carry, and, um, you know, some other implements that you would basically carry or, or push a sled. And there's, there's one less piece of equipment than there are our people. And so the idea is that that sled is always moving. The other guys are carrying something and that there's always one guy resting and whatever happens, that sled doesn't stop moving. So as one guy fatigues, then guess what? That guy that was getting a rest is going to jump in there and release him. Now he's resting. And, and the only rules are, is that you can't carry the same, same implement twice in a row. And so you get this, this rotation and guys are working at whatever their capability is, but everyone's working together. Everyone's sharing the load and uh, we'll do that in full gear and on air. And um, that's been a, a go-to workout for us um, that is easily accessible. We use equipment that's available to us. And then we have that, that team aspect of, you know, one guy is really getting fatigued on a sled and then the guy goes, oh man, and then they jump in there and they get it. And you're always moving, always working uh, as a group. And so that lone survivor workout, um, if you want to steal that or make it your own, uh, that's, that's been a good one for us. Maybe we'll post that one in the show notes so people can steal that as a, as a little, little tease or whatnot. We talked a little bit about doing those partner workouts. And, and I like to gauge how my, my partners are doing and when they need breaks in their recovery. But we also got to know when they're going to quit too right Right. um so sometimes if we get uh 10 minutes in and they're like i'm done i'm done uh that can show a bad character trait that we don't want on the fire ground because we can't choose when when that's done um but eric why don't you talk to us um surprisingly from idaho you go to georgia smoke divers let's jump into georgia smoke divers what's that about and and this mental side sure 
so uh, a couple of years ago, I, I heard about this thing called uh, George Smoke Divers. I heard about it in passing, and really it was, it was a guy that I worked with um, said that he had a friend that was a Georgia Smoke Diver and was talking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, what's that? He's like, man, it's the Navy SEALs of the fire service. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. Sounds like what I'm looking for. So I tried to do research and <laughs> learned that uh, they do a very good job of kind of keeping things, um, you know, close close at hand and, and don't put a lot of information out there. So coming from Idaho, no one knew anything about it other than what you could, could find on the Internet, which was very little. And, and so I took a chance on it hoping that it was what I was looking for. And, and I, I got more from it than, than I could have ever asked. But, you know, we, we were discussing the mental side of things. And, and uh, if you're looking at, you know, mental fitness and, and those things, and, and Georgia was, was one of those, uh, was an experience, probably one of the most challenging experiences of my life and, and uh, really brought me to the edge. And I, I trained physically for it. Uh, pretty well. Um, but the, the mental side of things, you know, I spent, I spent a lot of time working on my mental toughness and, and resiliency and, and then utilizing some of those tools um, down there that really led to success. And, and uh, you know, now kind of created a, a class on it. And now when I'm talking to prospective candidates, you know, they ask me a lot about how do I prepare? And we talk about the physical side, but, you know, I share a class with them about the, the mental side and it's, uh, I really focus on, you know, it's called the big four. Uh, if you've ever heard of that. Um, and, uh, it's, it's goal setting, visualization, self-talk and arousal control. And those are, those are the actual real tools that I use down there. And I, I think try to implement here and, and the stuff that we're doing, um, having those tools, really led to my success there. And, and it's funny, you know, physical training can, can push you to the edge and put you in that environment where you then have the ability to, to practice those things. And Georgia was, was an experience where I was going and I was, I was hoping that I'd be put to the edge and, and find out if, if, if I really had, had what it took, you know, we talk about doing what's necessary, but how do you know, how do you know that you have what it takes to do what's necessary? And, in those moments that are going to require everything from you. So what did your training look like uh, before and then after smoke divers? Did that change at all? Sure. Yeah. So when I, when I first learned about George's program and I looked at their kind of sample uh, workouts, it was pretty heavy on the body weight calisthenics. And so I really switched my training to focusing on that. And I, I really didn't know what, what to expect, but I, I just hammered down on, on those exercises. And, and one of them, you know, I think about push-ups. I got really good at push-ups. And before I went to Georgia, uh, I was doing a thousand push-ups a shift. And that, that started as a, uh, as a friendly competition between me and my driver. And uh, it was like, oh man, let's see if we can do, you know, maybe a hundred today or whatever. And uh, we had these these crew belt buckles that, man, pissed a lot of people off. And that was that was that's a different story. But it, it turned into this thing. We had a whiteboard that had check marks on it that we would, you know, keep tracks of, keep track of tens. 
and I would walk by it and all of a sudden my driver would have, you know, like two more checks than I would I'd be like, Oh, what the hell? So I drop down and, and catch up and, and, uh, it turned into this thing where you'd hear this, this belt buckle tapping on the floor somewhere in the station and you walk around the corner and my driver would be cranking out a set of 10. And before we knew it, we were doing a thousand every 48 hours. And, uh, and so I, I guess I say like that, that's the, the type of, uh, capacity that I went down there with and it, and it served me that focus on calisthenics and the body weight stuff as well as, as well as running. And that was a switch from say a classic, you know, CrossFit style training. And then, uh, after Georgia, the amount of work that you do in gear is like nothing that I'd ever experienced. Um, and learning the limitations and then obviously the demands that that gear places on you really put a, put a large focus on that's, that's why we do a, a workout, at least one workout in gear every shift now. So, you know, the, my programming or, or my training, you know, we implement the firehouse, uh, strength and conditioning stuff, um, for general physical preparedness. And then always, always get something in gear. Um, is kind of where, where my training's out now. Before we wrap up, let's jump into the uh, methodology behind uh, firehouse strength and conditioning, if you guys would. Sure. So the firehouse strength and conditioning is going to look probably a little different to, you know, most people. And that's because we, you know, we don't use a, a traditional, say, linear periodization model, you know, where, where it starts, you know, over a 16-week period volume is high and intensity is low and then over time you know that that reverses uh we we are heavily influenced by um the conjugate method uh, utilize principles from Westside barbell and and uh you know gus and, and what he's doing with the, the tactical you know the conjugate tactical stuff and and that really allows us to optimize our training for the fire service Whereas a, a traditional model would have a single peak, you know, you've got a date that you're preparing for, whether it's a sporting event or, or whatever, you know, a couple months out, we don't have that liberty on the fire service, right? So we, we can't just say or be ready for something in three months from now. We need to be ready uh, right now if, if that's our day. And so the, the conjugate model, you know, we, we focus on building our maximal strength, our explosive power. And then, you know, dynamic endurance, which would just mean, you know, work capacity as well as, uh, you know, preparedness. So the ability to express your fitness at, at any moment. And so our conjugate model is that, that four-day split where we're going to build that top end strength. And then later on the week, we're using the dynamic effort method where we're building, you know, we're focusing more on acceleration and the rate of force development. and that way, you know, we can, we can build multiple strength qualities and conditioning qualities in conjunction with one another versus sacrificing one for the other, if that makes sense. You got anything to add there, Frank, on your, your guys' programming? Uh, well, I'll, I'll hit real quick on the mindset piece. I have not been to smoke divers. I'll just kind of take it from a, like a company officer uh, standpoint. Um, competency and confidence on the fire ground is built through basics and hammering the basics. And I was just suggest that um, throwing a ladder 
plumbers, extrication, all the other things that we do, right? Um, our, our physical preparedness, i.e. like being able to work out in our gear and our guys being strong and confident, um, that is just as important. And so having all of that there leading into mindset, it, it brings a crew that is, is competent. It brings a crew that has, um, gosh, man, just the want and desire to do work on the fire ground and, and they're ready and they know they're ready. And, and, uh, that in and of itself allows us to work at a higher level, right? You've been there, you've, you've, you've done work with your guys and you know that they're, they're prepared, not just, not just with their tactical skills, but they can do work for a while. Um, when it comes to the programming, uh, Eric just threw down like some really heavy, heavy uh, um, technical jargon there for sure. We need you to be able to, on the fire ground, lift really heavy things and be able to express how strong, you know, what, what you have available and then also be able to work over time as well, right? It's forcing the door. It's making that hard push um, with the nozzle down a, uh, a dark, nasty hallway and then it's removing a victim. You need to be able to do that and, and that's what our methodology allows you to do. And we do it in a manner that is um, constantly challenging your body and allowing you to recover at the same time. It's, it's, it is, it's heavy stuff. There's a lot of stuff behind it, but again, it goes down to letting somebody who's done the work, who's done the, the studying, do it for you. And you come in, get after it. And the end result is where it's at. It's, it's strong, confident, um, able-bodied firemen that are, are uninjured and, and, and can put in work on the fire ground. That's, that's what we're aiming for. And we're coming from a place where we know what's required on the fire ground. And that's, I guess, kind of what makes this stuff different. I love it. Trust, trust the experts, put it on the whiteboard, do work yeah, and get after work. It. So you brought, brought up recovery. Uh, let's jump into that aspect a little bit. We work long shifts. Uh, you guys, some are working 24. So then they're off for a couple of days. Some are working 48. Talk about how recovery plays into this whole thing. Yeah. Um, the, the recovery aspect, I mean, the, the job doesn't lend itself to, uh, you know, optimal really anything, right? So whether you're sleep, sleep deprived, what that does to your nervous system and your ability to perform, do do your duties and then, uh, to nutritional habits on duty, right? So it's not just one, one thing. It's, it's really all these. So whether it's sleep, your fitness or, or your recovery, um, need to really be in, in control of all those. So we can't control our sleep on, on duty. Um, the best thing is, is to really optimize that off duty. And then re- depending on, on what you're coming in with is, is really that, that auto regulation on duty of going today's lift is going to call for my best effort and my best effort today may look different than it normally does because I only slept for two hours and then being humble and accepting like that's totally fine. And that's, that's kind of the, the beauty of, of the conjugate model is, is, is really when it comes to a max effort exercise, you're really looking for best effort that day and best effort means successfully completing the exercise without mechanical breakdown or failure. And we always want to avoid that and, and sleep and your recovery plays plays a huge part in that. And then having, you know, an optimal kind of time but between days training. And so our our program, uh, while it's a four day split and we have kind of a default weekly calendar in there, everyone's on different schedules throughout the week. And the the program allows you to kind of move those days to what works best for you. 
And, you know, we see guys, they get their two workouts in uh, on shift. So we work 48s. And then a lot of guys will just stay over that, that morning. They're getting off, get in their third workout. And then sometime during their four day, they, they can get another one in. But when it comes to recovery, um, you, sleep and nutrition are, are a huge component of that. And if you're not optimizing that or getting enough, then you really just need to, to work kind of at, at your, your threshold and, and stay safe. So, um, yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, you know, I, I've, I go through different periods in my career where I'm into different things. And it seems like as of late, all the journeymen's, uh, have been more towards mindset and fitness, which is good. Um, so I appreciate you guys coming on and, and sharing everything. I know, I know the programming has been beneficial to my department, uh, whether the guys are using it just, just for some ideas here and there, or whether they're following it strict, it, it's definitely been good. Um, so if guys want to get a hold of you to find out more information about your um, methodology, anything you talked about today, or simply just uh, how you guys are running your recruit academies or anything. Uh, Frank, I'll start with you. How, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, for me, you can get a hold of me through social media or what have you. Um, Frank Beauvais, you'll have that in the notes. I'm, I'm assuming when it comes to my name first and last, uh, Eric will be able to knock down all the stuff it looks like for brotherhood and training. Um, but definitely reach out, look for us, ask us We're more than happy to, to answer questions um, and just figure out what best case works for you and for your department. Everybody looks different. Everybody's ability to work within the confines of their administration alike is different. We're working with a big federal agency right now, and that's just been an absolute chore um, based on all the stuff that they've got going on. Um, but we're just as likely to obviously work with someone real small or, or individuals as well. Cool. Eric, how do we get all of you? Apps, uh, social media. Um, my my wife and I have agreed to a time limit there, so it, it's good. So uh, if, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can reach out through Brotherhood and Training uh, through Instagram. Send us you know a message there, or or hit us up via email. It's probably probably best to do that, and that's that's Brotherhood and Training at gmail .com. And we're happy to answer questions, or you know if you're trying to wondering how, how you can implement, you know, a, a culture of fitness in your department. You know, we, we, we do a lot with that. And then uh, if you're looking for workouts and stuff, you can go on train heroic. We've got links to that in uh, our Instagram and check out the program, kind of the objectives. And there's even a free trial in there. So if you want to give it a try free week, uh, if you like it, that's awesome. Uh, if you don't, if it's not for you, there, there's a lot of other good stuff out there that I wouldn't steer you away from. Um, and then also on our, our Instagram, we've got, you know, for a couple of years, I was putting up two free workouts a week. So feel free to, to go and take those. If you're looking for something to do, uh, go on there and scroll through it. And there's just a ton of content there that have at it and, and have fun. Cool. Well, thanks. I appreciate all you guys are doing for, for us and our department and then the fire service in general. Um, and that's it for the Journeyman Fire Podcast. We will uh, be back uh, hopefully soon and uh, do some more fire nerd stuff. So thanks for listening.